0: Church, good morning. good morning. If you got a Bible with you today, open up to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2, we're going to be looking at Galatians 2.20. This is our second week out of four in Galatians 2.20, where we're talking about gospel grit. Grit we defined as passion and Perseverance. It's that stuff that keeps people pressing on. You might hear about how professional athletes are really gritty individuals. They get after what their, their goal is and they seek to accomplish it. How do we follow Jesus in our own day and age? We need something more than just like what's here and now, something far more powerful. We need help, and if you remember context-wise what the book of Galatians is about, it's all about the gospel. At the very beginning, you hear from Paul, um, the only thing that makes people like you and me acceptable to God, how we can become friends of God, sons and daughters of God, is through what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. We don't add to it. You hear again, though, later on in Galatians that we don't, what? We don't take away from the gospel call either. So it's, it's belief 100% solely and only in what Jesus Christ has done. And as we believe, we choose to walk away from our old life. The passage that we're looking at, though, the, it, it's talking about how Paul loses all confidence in his own life, his own works, his own self-justifying measures. We talked a little bit about Jesus' victory, though, on the cross and how Jesus paid the penalty for us and conquered Satan even through the cross. Today we're talking about Jesus being our resource. Jesus being our resource, Jesus is our fuel and passion. I, I thought about it in terms of, well, high-level athletes. Um, I'm not one of those. Um, I have found that as I eat better, um, it's easier to stay awake. It's easier to be active. Um, I might even put holes through my wall in my garage when I'm working out with people on a, on a Saturday morning at 7 a.m. just yesterday. That really did happen. We'll talk more about it after service. Or maybe you didn't know this, but my wife used to play college ball for a little bit, and the best recovery drink on the planet for her was chocolate milk. She felt energized right after that, not just because of glucose, but like milk is like magical stuff, proteins and a whole bunch of other things I don't understand. Or Sean White, you ever heard of him before? He's a high level Olympic athlete um, that specializes in snowboarding. His go-to snack for, for sustenance and refueling is beef jerky. What a guy. I would love to learn more about his nutrition plan. We need fuel for the long road ahead, especially in our spiritual lives. There are a lot of things that claim that they can bring happiness and joy and peace and purpose. And if you've walked any stretch of this road, you know for a fact that they're all pretenders. We need real lasting joy today. We need peace today. We need power today. And that's what Jesus promises. So if you're able to, would you stand out of reverence for God's word? You're not interested in hearing from me. We're hearing from God today, from his word. I'm going to read starting in verse 15, Galatians 2, verse 15. Once we get to verse 20, would you read that aloud with me? This is what God's word says to us this morning. We ourselves, Paul's writing here, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. We heard that last week. Nothing that we do, nothing that we say makes us acceptable before God. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ a servant for sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. But through the law, I died to the law so that I might live. To God. Verse 20. Would you read that with me? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. I live by faith in the Son of God, This is God's word to us this morning. You can be seated. It was beautiful just to hear you guys sing that. So Jesus is our resource. If you're taking notes, there are a couple things to note. First of all, first of all, we need resources. We need to be resourced ourselves. Paul's talking about it's no longer just his achievement and hard work That's not his purpose in life anymore. That's not what grants access to life with God. Nothing of the sort works. What does? We just heard it, justification by faith. Faith in what Jesus has done for us. That's where real life can be found. And that's why Paul is so amped, excited, pumped, about a man dying for the sin of the world. He's over the moon for it. He bases his entire life and his identity upon it. I have been crucified with Christ. And so as a man that's walking around in his own day, he's disowned all of his old values and he's picked up ones from a kingdom that is not of this world. He champions a brand new way of life, and he's pointing his friends to do the same. We need more resources than we would normally be able to find here. And so this is a critical place for us today. He says, I no longer live. He's talking about himself Something about him has fundamentally changed. In our day and age, and even a hundred years back, we have become really important, haven't we? I see confused faces. How many of you have Facebook? Any, anyone? Um... For, for, for the older people, there's also this thing called TikTok. Are you familiar with TikTok? Yeah. Um, some people use its power for good, others for evil. Or Instagram, right? What happens oftentimes with, with social media is we curate for the whole world to see the very best about us and we don't tell people about the very worst of us. We work really hard to present an image, don't we? For the past 100 years, so I mean, it's, that's not a new thing. It's just not some of my older friends here. With the push for self-esteem, I need to feel better about myself. And nowadays, one of the biggest things that's blowing up is self-care. How do I take care of myself, not just after COVID, but like, how do I take care of my body? How do I take care of like all the mental stuff that's going on in my brain right now? Self-care matters. An opinion of yourself matters. The Bible teaches that you've been made in the image of God, so you should carry yourself with some dignity, right? Right? As someone made in the image of God, you should steward your body in a particular way that honors him. But something massive has happened, especially in the past couple of years, where maybe you've fallen prey to multi-level marketing schemes that promise a bill of goods, like if you take this thing, you were going to drop 100 pounds in one year. Or if you implement this kind of thing in your life, it's going to radically change everything that you believe and do. And it doesn't work. You know, friends who might have become more healthy. They might have taken better care of themselves. I don't know if they are anything like the friends of mine that I know who have become either very isolated, they they don't want to be around critiques, or they become very sensitive and inward, or they become very, very paralyzed about the kind of diet that they have. Then what does this have to do with anything concerning resources? when we are exposed to a great need, it doesn't always automatically change us and point us to where we can find real satisfaction and where we can find the need to be met, or rather, who can, who can meet our greatest need. In other words, just because I know that I'm tremendously needy, it doesn't mean that it's automatically fulfilled. Paul is saying, I've looked to and fro all across the world. He was learned. He was religious. He was hardworking. He was industrious. We see that later on as someone that's a tent maker, right? He's disciplined. And he's saying, all of the stuff that I found in this life, it doesn't matter. Twine Philippians, he says, I count all things, all things, all things as loss. What would be under that heading of all in your life? Would family be a part of that? Would your job be a part of that? Would your comfort be a part of that? I no longer live. He chooses that. Do you feel that? It's a critical place for us to be today. You might say, Tim, I feel really weak. I feel useless sometimes. I'm inadequate. And I would just agree with you. That is a good place to be This is the beginning point of the Christian life to realize the great, tremendous need that you and I have. Are you needy? Are you poor in spirit? I've mentioned this before. If you remember in the, in the Gospels, Matthew, in Jesus, he's, he's teaching on the Beatitudes, right? This is the ethic of the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. We have, I'm I'm celebrating this with a couple of people this coming week. We live in America. You should be celebrating its birthday. It's a wonderful thing. This is the freest place on the planet right now. But there's a cost that comes with being American sometimes. This, I'm able to do it all on my own. I can set out and accomplish whatever I want. Jesus is speaking to people that weren't able to do whatever they wanted. The message isn't for the middle class in spirit. It's for those that are poor in spirit. So the bad news of the gospel, there's bad news that comes with this. And it says, if you're able to do everything on your own and you're strong, the gospel message isn't for you. It has nothing to offer you. If you're fine and okay on your own, it ain't for you. You have friends and families that, that, that are able to walk through life without being honest about their incredible need. And if we're not honest about... The simplest of things, why would we be honest about the greatest need that we have and as to be reconciled to God? You and I need resources, and we're not able to find what we need ultimately and finally here. It's not here in the stuff, but it is in Christ. Christ is our resource. And so this answers the question, how can we be resourced? What's he say? I no longer live, pause, but Christ lives. I've died to the law. I've died to its expectations. I'm not able to fulfill them, but now I live because of Christ. Christ is a living me. Paul says he's redirecting himself away from himself, his self efficacy, away from self sufficiency, self righteousness, self justifying to the all sufficient power of Jesus Christ. Paul has died and Jesus lives. And so the one who healed the sick and cast out demons and walked on water and told storms to cease and the one who raised the dead and the one who was raised from the dead himself is alive. And so every time you and I gather in this space, when we're singing songs and we're hearing from the word, we celebrate two truths I am not enough. I'm never enough. I've never been enough. And Jesus lives. Christ's love for me is alive. Every time we read our Bible, we go to Him with hands open before Him, asking, Father, I am not enough. I don't have what it takes to walk through this life on my own. I need you to meet my need. And what's the response that Paul gives? Christ lives. Every time bad news swings our way, we can't handle it on our own. The truth of the matter, though, is that Christ lives. So what you resource your life with impacts how you deal with life. It impacts your performance. It impacts how you serve. It impacts how you dad. It impacts how you mother. It impacts how you friend. It impacts how you work. It impacts how you share the gospel of Jesus with people. Friends, in Adam, all things die. This is the great curse of sin. Sin is an acid that destroys relationships. It destroys even the fabric of reality itself. And so because of distrust and disobedience, chaos is born into our world. And so what was once supposed to be a place of flourishing is now a place of deep distress. Our world is broken. What was once supposed to supply rest and and friendships and lifting burdens is now a place where we receive burdens. We need someone with the juice to be able to make the whole thing come alive again. We need a Savior that's alive. And so, the good news for us then the only one that we need is the only one that can do it. There are a lot of competing needs and desires that you have in your heart that we gravitate towards and we think that we need. I need to feel better. I need comfort. I need this, that, and the other the thing that you need ultimately and finally is the one that can offer peace to your soul. He's got the juice. Jesus is the one. So Jesus promises to be a resource. And so resourcing now Power now, peace now, presence now, it's available. But the question becomes, when? When do I get this? Is his power distant from us now? Yes or no? We live in this weird tension, don't we? I heard someone say both. Is his presence far off from us? No. It's available to us right now. How does Paul finish the passage? What's he say? I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When he's saying that, he's not saying Christ will live in me. That's a future event. He 's saying right now, presently, in his own body, in his own day, Jesus is alive and well, not just in the flesh, in heaven, making intercession for you and me, Jesus is alive now, in him, in his own person he 's changing dramatically, even while he 's writing Galatians to his to his friends in Galatia. Do you remember the the, the movie? Invasion of the body snatchers. Do you remember that? Is Paul now a pod person? No. Right? There's this idea that that people get when they when they first trust Jesus, like, do I have to break all my old CDs? That was one of the big things that I heard in student ministry a long time ago. We 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 become we do become something different. We become something new. But how did we know, or at least in 1956 when the movie came out, right? How did they know that the supposed carbon copy of a person wasn't the actual real McCoy? Because they didn't, the, the emotion, right? They had a cut on their arm or a scar on their arm. They still looked like the person, but they were dramatically different. That's not the picture that Paul is painting for us. Fallen, broken, sinful Tim before he meets Jesus is still the funniest guy you've ever met. He's witty and charming, but Tim in Christ, Tim in Christ, selfishness begins to die. Pride and hubris begins to die. This Tim, the one that you see before you right now, if you are in Christ, the same goes for you too. The realest version of you is found in Jesus. There are necessary things about you that have to change because some of those things aren't good. But it doesn't mean that you're personality is dramatically warped into something that God never intended you to be. Rather, you become the most real version of you ever. That's what redemption is. And we experience it when he's alive in me, when he's alive in you. Christ is alive in you. This is one of the biggest, when I fail, when I'm tempted, or when I'm tried, or when bad times come, the biggest moments of failure in my life come from not believing this. By faith, you are so cemented to Christ that he and you are as one person and you can never, ever, ever be separated from him. Do you know why Paul says in Romans 8, no plague or famine, or sword, or angel, or demon, or whatever can separate you from the love of God in Christ? Why is that? Because he's alive in you. He's in you. The treasure of salvation, the treasure of knowing God is most beautifully known In that you are unioned with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. The Old Testament tried to paint the picture for us. God rescues Israel from Egypt and promises and covenants with them. I will be with you. And he paints the picture of I'm going to lead you through all sorts of stuff as a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. You're gonna build a tabernacle for me. Later on, you're gonna build a temple for me and I'm gonna be in your very midst. Jesus later on in John chapter one, he promises, look, the word became flesh, friends, and he dwelt among us. All of that is pointing us to an even bigger picture. What is it? I no longer live anymore. But it's Christ who lives in me. There is no separation anymore. Sure, we're gonna see Jesus face to face one day. You have the living God living inside of you right now though. Alive and well. And so then the question becomes, how does this impact Normal, everyday life. Like if it doesn't cause us to worship, like if we're not lost in the fact that God pursues me, but even more than that, chooses to live with someone that makes really gross, terrible choices sometimes and doesn't leave. What am I supposed to do with that? You remember WWJD bracelets? I'm not wearing one right now. <laughs> WWJD, when they, what, what was that all about? What, why, why did people wear them? There was a question, right, huh? What would Jesus do, would Jesus do right? I didn't need reminders about what Jesus would do. Frankly, I didn't need someone else to be able to tell me about how to live my life. That's legalism. If it's devoid of gospel truth, it's legalism. That's not the only message that we announce to people that they need to change. Therapists do that. Doctors do that. The Lamb of God says that grace is available for you. And that through my strength and power, I change you. But think about 1 Corinthians 6. There, there might be some children in here. So I'm going to give like parents, you have like five seconds to cover your children's ears, okay? We're moving from G to like PG-13 rated R, okay? three, two. One, Okay. 1 Corinthians 6, it has beautiful truths about Christian identity. Who are you? You are the spirit of the living, like the temple of the spirit of the living God. I'm not preaching heresy today. You're also unioned with Jesus as a part of his body. The argument for not sleeping with prostitutes and doing really gross things is what? Would Jesus ever be unioned? in such a display? The answer is no. Instead, he would approach them in love, not sleeping with them, not trying to get something from them, but extending to them mercy and grace. And so the message that Christ is our resource is not one of do more and try harder. It's not one of you being a better person or that you need to turn over a new leaf. It's not about doing better. It's doing life with him. It's not about being better. It's about my life being hidden in him. Are you hidden in Christ? We ended like this last week with Salvation isn't about going to a bakery, but rather it's hiding in a bunker? Does your life exhibit one of dependence upon Jesus? Could your friends and your family say that you are different? in such a way that it is not you that is alive anymore, but it's Christ who's alive in you. That feels very law, right? That might bring shame or guilt. The truth is this, when bad stuff comes, we don't have to run away from it because Jesus is here. Jesus is present with me. If you're exhausted today, Charles Spurgeon was asked once, How do you accomplish so much in your own day? He wasn't just a pastor of a megachurch, he was also administering to an orphanage and a bunch of other stuff. He responds to the question by asking another question do you not know that there are two people that are at work within me? If you are exhausted today, your strength and power and passion and perseverance doesn't come from you, but it comes from Jesus. If you're tired of fighting sin, tired of fighting for faithfulness, Do not fight in your own strength and power anymore today. Kill it and run to Jesus. Trust him. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for your ministry to Paul and how you've transformed him utterly and completely. And now he sees you face to face. But when he wrote this book, you were alive and well in him. And it's evidence throughout every page of scripture that he wrote. Father, real life, real passion, real perseverance, it doesn't come from anything else in this life but you. And so we need you. I pray for those that are tired and exhausted today. You said that your burden is easy and your yoke is light. And so I pray for rest and strength to come to tired hearts. I pray for proud individuals here today and now that feel like they have to hold everything together. I pray that you would break them so that they can see their great need. And their need is only found to be fulfilled in Jesus. Pray for spiritual healing for those that are estranged from you, that are far off from you. They know the, 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 the pain that Satan that can bring. And I pray that they would know you as healer and that Christ in them would bring life to their heart. Jesus, all of our life is for you because you are alive in us. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.